Amen. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, right after our, our service this morning, there's a, a we're going to be hosting a baby shower for Braden and Caroline. And if you've made arrangements and want to be a part of that, we're glad it's going on today right after our service. Uh, if not, I'm sure they would receive whatever you want to give them on that occasion uh, at a later date if, if, if you're not prepared to do that. But uh, there will be a baby shower immediately following our service today. But I want to specifically invite each one of you uh, to our thanks feast tonight and uh, to be here at 6 p.m. to to eat some turkey and, and uh, mashed potatoes and stuffing with us. And, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a blessing to be with God's people and uh, to share in a fellowship meal and just to spend some time together. Um, you know, this week is Thanksgiving on Thursday. We celebrate Thanksgiving and, and uh, what a blessing it is. And, um, you know, for, for many people, uh, when we think about Thanksgiving, I mean, what comes to mind? I mean, for some people, it's nothing more than the food, you know. Um, start with the gobbler, you know, end with the cobbler. I mean, or gobble till you wobble, you know. But think about this. For the church, Thanksgiving should be more than a day of feasting. It's more than just having an abundance of food around. I mean, we are the body of Christ. Christ died for us. We are the body of Christ. So let's use this holiday as a time to praise and to thank God for all of his blessings. I want to read this morning out of Psalm 111. I just want to read four verses there. Um, and if you have your Bible and want to turn there with me, we're just going to camp out there for a little while this morning. You know, I love the Psalms. I love, I love what the, the psalmist writes, and it's so soothing to our souls. Um, he begins in verse 1 of Psalm 111. It says this, it says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I mean, it's got an exclamation point after it. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. In the company of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work. And his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious. And compassionate. Loving Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have together. Uh, I thank you for the freedom that we enjoy in gathering in your house. I thank you, Father, for the gift of Jesus Christ and his grace that covers our sin. Father, I thank you for the indwelling Holy Spirit, who is our teacher and our guide. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that even now, that you would open our hearts, that we would see the truth of, of your word and where we are. And Father, I pray that in this moment, that, we would, that, that, that the Lord Jesus would come into full view in our hearts and in our minds. 
And Father, that you would bring about a, a sense of awe, a sense of repentance in each of our lives. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we think, we think about um, praising God for his benefits and in this time of thanksgiving and, and, and giving him thanks. And I, I want to, uh, you know, say something here about this psalm. I mean, God's word shows us um, his plan for making the best of God's best. I mean, God has given us his best. And so how do we make use of, in the best possible way, of, of God's best that he has given us? Making the best of God's best. And you know, this psalm, it, 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 that we recognize that it was used as a time of thanksgiving. Um, and it was intended to be recited individually um, at the annual festivals uh, of Judah in what we want to call post-exilic. Uh, period. And after the exile, after the children of Israel uh, got back from the exile, they would recite this psalm as a way of thanking God for what he had delivered them from and what he had brought them out of. And, and, and I think that's fitting because really we have an annual festival. We call it Thanksgiving, where we get together with families and friends and, and we celebrate God's abundance and his, his bounty and we, we thank him for his goodness to us. But notice with me three habits here, just in these four verses. Three habits here that make the best of God's best for us. The number one thing I want to point out here is through worship. Through worship. I mean, verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly, in the congregation. You know, Dr. Stuart Briscoe, he explains, he says, In the psalmist's mind, reverence in worship was of prime importance. You know, we should really think about this. Because reverence in worship might get us to church regularly and on time with our hearts prepared and with a sense of expectancy and awe and reverence. See, when we worship the Lord, there ought to be a sense of reverence that comes upon us. We don't, we don't worship him flippantly. We don't just show up any old way. We prepare our hearts for worship because we are coming before the Almighty as his people. This is important stuff. I mean, the opening exhortation here, the opening encouragement for us is to praise the Lord. I mean, for what he has done for us, to praise him. That reminds us that when we gather together in worship, the most important thing about our worship is the object of our worship. It's not about what I'm wearing. It's not about what you're wearing. It's not about why we're here or how we're here. It's about the object of our worship. It's about him. It's about God. He says, praise the Lord. But you see, worship is the great battle of our lives. Because we were created to worship. Everyone worships. But here's the problem. We're so tempted 
to worship idols of our own making. To set our affections on things of this world. Things that are other than and lower than Almighty God. They catch our attention and we begin to worship them rather than worshiping the Creator. And so to worship Him, the question is, who will we worship? And as Christians, as those who worship according to the Scriptures, we worship God. This scripture says, praise the Lord. And the word Lord in my Bible is in all caps. And really what that means is that is the the personal name of God. It's not Mr. Adams, it's Ridge. Ridgely to be more specific. But his name is Yahweh. Praise God. Praise Yahweh. Praise the Lord. He's the object of our worship. And we, we worship God. We worship Him. Did you know that the word worship is a transitive verb? Now I know that's going to tickle the hearts of those who are what we call English people. I'm not talking about English speaking necessarily. I'm talking about people who study and love and teach the language of English. You know, people who love all things grammatical. Worship is a transitive verb. And what that means is as a verb, it takes a direct object. It requires, that verb requires a direct object. You can't just worship. As you hear some people say from time to time, you have to worship something. There has to be a direct object. It's a transitive verb. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we worship God. See, worship is a transitive verb and a verb that requires a direct object. When we meet to worship, that is... We do not meet to experience worship. We meet to worship God. See, that's the heart of the matter. And let's not confuse the main thing with the byproduct. Okay? Let me make this very clear. If you are seeking peace, you will not find it. But if you seek Jesus Christ... You will find peace. If you seek joy, you won't find it. But if you seek Jesus Christ, you will find joy. If you seek holiness, you will not find it. But if you seek Jesus Christ, you will find holiness. And if you seek experiences of worship, you will not find them. But if you worship the living God, you will experience something that is reflected here in the Psalms. See, worship is a transitive verb. And the most important thing about that is it needs, it requires a direct object. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He's the one we are worshiping. Not anything that is happening up here. Not anything that you see in us. 
It is Him who we are worshiping. And to me, we get that confused sometimes. That's why I'm trying to make it abundantly clear. If we keep that before us, that we praise the living God, that we worship the Lord, that He is the central point of our worship. See, true thanksgiving for what God has done for each one of us can only come to its highest point as the people of God come together in worship. See, our Heavenly Father, He, he did not create us to worship in isolation. Oh, I've heard people say it, and you have too. Well, I can worship God away from the church. I can worship God out on the lake. I can worship God in the woods. And that is true, you can. But he did not create us to worship in isolation, both in the Old and in the New Testaments. The assembling together of God's people caused great manifestations of God's power. Something that you may not otherwise experience unless you are with the body of Christ in worship. You know, in 1997, I went to an event that was held in Otson Stadium in Eugene, Oregon. Go Ducks, sorry. That's the flesh coming out. I went to this event, and it was a Promise Keepers event. And there was 42,000 men in Otson Stadium all gathered there to worship God. 42,000 men singing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see when you hear 42,000 men singing that, it changes you. Because of that event and a short-term mission trip, I became a pastor. Because there was something awesome about men worshiping Almighty God. Casting their crowns, casting their treasures before Him. In that moment of humility and saying, God, you are awesome. And there is none like you. Folks, that's what the psalmist is saying. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly. I would say this moving on. There's a couple of things that we notice about worship. Worship is determined. Worship doesn't just happen. He says, I will give thanks. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. See, the psalmist, he reveals a conscious decision here. He didn't show up expecting someone else to do his worshiping. He says, I will praise the Lord. I'm convinced that he was so moved by his relationship with the Lord... Moved from the goodness that he had received that all he could do was determine himself to praise the Lord. He couldn't, he couldn't help himself. He just had to praise the Lord. When you receive something that you don't deserve, 
when you receive grace and mercy so far beyond anything you could possibly dream, think, or imagine, you too will bust forth in worship. See, I love this because worship is determined, but it's also devoted. He says, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. He's all in. He's not coming with some half attitude of, well, I'm just going to go and see what they're doing. I'm going to go and I, I might participate or I might do this or I might do that. No, he's all in. He says, I will go and give thanks to the Lord in the, in the, in the congregation, in the company of the upright and in the assembly. See, nothing was held back. He's all in with my whole heart. But worship is also displayed. The psalmist knew that there was an appointed place, an appointed time. You know, I could spend a lot of time rounding up church members to come and be in church on Sunday morning. But here's the reality. Most people do what they want to do. Most people that are associated with this church, especially those who are members of this church, they know when we meet. They know what time we meet. They know where the building is. They simply do not come because their heart is not where it needs to be. I could spend a lot of time chasing after people to do that. That's not my job. My job is not to get people to do the right thing. You see, if their relationship with God is what it needs to be, nothing could keep them from coming to worship in the congregation. They would be here because they choose to be here. It's determined, it's devoted, it's displayed. See, I want to remind us the, the need for corporate worship in each one of our lives. There's nothing wrong with private worship. You should have that. You should have time of devotion between you and God every day. But there's something about public worship. We ought to possess an attitude of worship all the time. But there's nothing that will take the place of God's people coming together in a specific location, at an appointed time, and worshiping God together. Folks, that is amazing. There is something about that. I love this too because I think about worship and I think about the company of the upright and in the assembly. And I say that worship is diverse. As the psalmist was writing, he probably was thinking about all of the many people that came to worship in the congregation. People that come from every different walk of life. We don't look alike. We're different. We come from different um, um, you know, places in life. We come from different nationalities. We come from all different things. And, but together, we are one in Christ. I love that. I love gathering with God's people as we offer our worship. You know, in our lives and our needs are all different. And yet we all have the same praise for Almighty God. We have this privilege, the opportunity to gather in worship. And that's what makes worship so special. God's people, as individuals, offering our praise, our worship to Him. Something wonderful, something profound that happens in corporate worship. You know, when we first moved to Texas, we landed in Colleen. We might as well have been in a foreign country. We didn't speak the language. 
I didn't know how to order a chicken sandwich at Whataburger. We landed in Killeen and we were a part of Westside Baptist Church, which is a predominantly black congregation. Talk about culture shock. Okay, we didn't know that church services could last for three hours. We found out rather quickly, they do. And it's a great thing. But you know, we all, we all came together in that place with a, a sense of expectation, a sense of awe, and ready to participate in worship. Our worship was inspired, it was spirit-filled. <laughs> like I said, we were people from all different backgrounds. But when we got together and we sang praises to our God, as we worshiped together, the Spirit of God was present. And it was so evident that no one wanted to leave. When you get into that place and the Spirit of God is there, there's an attraction that just, you you don't want to miss anything. You just want to hang out. You just want to be with God's people. And our our worship was so watering and so God-honoring that sometimes I just felt like there was a, a great sponge of the Holy Spirit that was being wrung out over the top of us as we worshiped together. Oh, how we long for that. Oh, how we desire that. My point is this. Making the best of God's best requires participation from God's people. You know, may we sing the words of Sir Robert Grant. Oh, worship the King, all glorious above. And gratefully sing His power and His love. Our shield and defender. The ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. See, we provide the praise. We praise Him. We we, we put that on Him. Jesus said it this way. He said, God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. I really need to move on. I'm I'm enjoying this. We're talking about worship. That's one way, through worship. The second way is through reflection. Look at verse 2. It says, Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is His work, and His righteousness endures forever. You know, Thanksgiving is a time for us to, to turn away from our work and contemplate God's work. Look what God has done. Even for the secular world, God's handiwork is difficult to ignore. I mean, this verse is an excellent example. This verse is actually was chosen to grace the, the, the entrance to the Cavendish Laboratory in Cambridge. A site where there's been many great discoveries in physical science. And this is what it says above the door there. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is His work. And His righteousness endures forever. (laughs) We cannot appreciate God's work in this world with just a casual glance at it. Folks, we need to study it. I mean, you think about this. If we are careful to observe and study the created world, if we meditate on all that God has done for us, His power will become more and more evident. 
The more you seek after God, the more you find God. You know, a great example of that is our, talking about our solar system. Our sun, it weighs about 330,000 times more, times as much as the earth. And it's about 109 times bigger in diameter than the earth. I mean, that's huge. We think the earth is big. Our sun is huge. <laughs> but the star Antares is 700 times larger in diameter than our sun. It's so far beyond us, so far away, that when we look in the night sky, it's one of the, the top ten brightest stars. But that's how far away it is. But it's 700 times bigger than our sun. Our universe is so vast. So hugely incredible. And if we look at our universe, we can see just how powerful God is. It should increase our faith to know that the God who created all of this cares and loves each one of us. He knows us by name. <laughs> Praise God. He knows us by name. And you think about the song. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder. Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder and thy power throughout the universe displayed. <laughs> then sings my soul, my Savior, God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Oh, we serve an awesome God. So far beyond us. And you see, making the best of God's best also means recognizing the beauty in God's creation. I'm trying to help you be thankful. When we recognize Him in worship, we become more thankful. When we see the beauty of His creation all around us, we become more thankful to Him. But let's not forget... This third part, this third habit, and that's through sharing. Verse 4 says, He has made His wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. You know, the missionary, Dr. Arthur Pearson, he said this. He said, His story is history. History is His story. Dr. John Phillips, who died in uh, 2010, he suggests verse 4 refers to God's miraculous deliverance of Israel from Egyptian bondage. He instituted the Passover to commemorate the redemption of his chosen people. And Dr. Phillips explains, he says, God never, excuse me, God wants us never to forget what, he, what we owe him. 
Israel remembered their redemption in the Passover. In our day, we remember our redemption in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Instituted by the Lord, lest we forget. See, the Lord has made his wonderful works to be remembered. And of all of his wonderful works, none is greater, none is grander, more glorious or more gracious than the work that Jesus did on the cross. Of all of his works that that we ought to remember, that we should remember, of all of those glorious things that he has done, nothing is greater than what he did on the cross for you and for me. See, the term here, wonders to be remembered, or the word wonderful acts, that's a completely different word than was used in verse 2. Verse 2 talks about the works of God, and we think about creation and the things that he has done. The words here, he has made his wonders to remember. Specifically, the Hebrew word here is the word that would, would speak to his saving acts. Of God. His redemption. His saving acts. The only way his saving acts can be remembered is by communicating them to others so that that memory never dies. When we think about Thanksgiving, we need to be thinking about sharing our faith. See, it is, it is through worship. It is It it is through reflection, but it is also through sharing what God has done for us. We are to share the good news of salvation. My prayer is that we collectively would repent of not sharing our faith like we should. I mean, if we took a poll of how many people shared your faith with somebody this week, this past week, how many people would be able to raise their hand, not this pastor, I'm saying this as a way of confession, we need to share our faith more than we do. Alexander Kinglake was a British writer and a skeptic of religion. But he did understand the true nature of Christianity. And he suggested that all churches should bear the following inscription above them. Important, if true. Since we have experienced... And we believe in the truthfulness of the good news of Jesus Christ because we have indeed been changed. We've been transformed. Since we have experienced that and believe that, it's important that we share that with others. If you knew that a building was on fire and wouldn't share that with somebody, How much would you have to hate that person in order to do that? To not tell them that the building is on fire. To tell them that they're going to go to hell unless they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. See, 
love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, if you love your neighbor, you're going to share what you've experienced in Jesus Christ. See, it's only in seeing others come to know Jesus as Savior that we can fully join with the host of heaven in giving thanks to God through His Son, Jesus. I mean, ultimately, isn't that why we're here? Is to share the good news with others. It's not just my job. It's every one of our jobs as a believer in Jesus Christ. So making the best of God's best remembers the joy of sharing. Not only the physical provisions as we would in a thanks feast, but also sharing our faith in Jesus Christ for his wondrous works, for the things that he has done in us, his saving acts in your life and mine. That is so important. If we truly are thankful, we will be doing these things through worship, through reflection, through sharing. This is how we make the best of God's best. You know, Juliet Druett, in writing to Victor Hugo, said, I need your love as a touchstone of my existence. It is the sun which breathes life into me. See, I think we would do well to remember that by voicing a prayer to God like this. God, our Father, I need your love as a touchstone for my existence. And it's your Son who breathes life into me. See, as Thanksgiving Day approaches, let's determine that this is going to be our attitude toward God. One of worship, one of reflection, and one of sharing. Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word and I thank you for what you did on the cross through Jesus Christ for, for our benefit. And Father, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God, you loved the world so much that you gave your one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. Father, you, you have given us your great love. Father, you've commissioned us. You've put us out. You've, you've sent us out to, to be your witnesses, your, your martyrs, those who carry the gospel. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict our hearts. Father, when we've made worship about something other than you. Father, when we've not taken the time to reflect upon your, your works and the things that you've done. Father, when we've been too busy just to take a break and say, Lord, you are so good to us. Father, forgive us when we've not shared with others the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would guide us in all truth. I pray that your, your spirit would, would convict our hearts. And God, that we would allow the love of Christ to shine through our hearts. Even this week as we celebrate Thanksgiving, 
in our homes with family and friends. I pray, Father, that we would remember these things. Father, that we would remember them in a daily way. Worship, reflection, sharing. And Father, that your love would be on display through our lives. Father, this is our prayer. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.